98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Cecil Wong. The headlines. Elder care homes scrap plans to allow family visits during the mid-autumn festival. Liaison Office Chief Luo Hui Ning calls for more national education in Hong Kong, saying patriotism is a duty, not a choice. And a judge questions the evidence against 15 defendants in a rioting case, saying prosecutors need to be more specific. Elder care homes across the city have scrapped plans to allow family to visit during the mid-autumn festival amid reports of a confirmed COVID infection at a facility in Yunlong. Reports say health authorities are set to confirm nine new coronavirus cases today, including the elderly resident. Joanne Wong reports. Residents of the affected care home in Yunlong were evacuated from the facility late last night. And the infection has prompted other homes across the city to pull plans to allow family members of their residents to observe the tradition of spending mid-autumn festival together with their elders. The Secretary General of the Elderly Services Association, Zhou Chan, says as many as 300 homes had originally planned to allow visits following numerous requests from relatives. But the potentially deadly risk is too high, so care homes will instead hand out free mooncakes and fruits to residents to help them celebrate the festival. Liaison Office Director Luo Hui Ning has called for more national education in Hong Kong, saying the city can only find its way forward if it strengthens its sense of belonging with the mainland. In a speech ahead of National Day, Mr. Luo said young people and civil servants in particular need more education on China's constitution, national security and national education. Patriotism is not a choice but a duty, he said. Mr. Law, also the top advisor to the chief executive on the national security law, said the legislation has effectively ended any push for independence in the SAR. The country is growing stronger day by day and saved Hong Kong from falling into the abyss of a color revolution. The implementation of the national security law by the National People's Congress Standing Committee has halted the independence fiore in Hong Kong, the turmoil of a rift born of violence, and ushered in a key turning point from chaos to governance. Speaking at the same event, Chief Executive Carrie Lam said all Chinese nationals should be proud of the country's long-term development and take on the responsibility of protecting national security. Meantime, the government has warned people against taking part in illegal protests during National Day tomorrow. A security bureau spokesman said officials are aware of online calls for people to stage violent rallies and stressed that the police will strictly enforce the law. A district court judge has questioned the evidence in the trial of 15 people accused of rioting during a police siege of the Polytechnic University last November. Prosecutors have been told to work on their case and come back with more specifics as the case was adjourned to November the 20th. Here's Vicky Wong. Chief District Court Judge Justin Coe told prosecutors to look at the basis of prosecuting the 15 defendants as well as whether the 12-hour-long video clips they want to submit specifically target the accused. The judge also said there was only one sentence in the prosecution's documents that related to the 15. He was speaking as the defendants who are accused of rioting at the intersection of Nathan and Waterloo Roads near Yaomate on November the 18th appeared in court requesting an adjournment as they weren't ready to enter pleas. Two of them said they still hadn't applied for legal aid. A total of 213 people have been charged with rioting over the protests as demonstrators tried to advance on the besieged Polytechnic University in Hong Hong. 
The new convener of the pan-democratic camp, Wu Chi-wai, says the pro-democracy councillors who've chosen to stay on in the extended session of LegCo will act as a bridge between local street fighters and international voices to oppose bad policies or legislation from the government. Speaking to RTHK, he highlighted a funding request for studies into the controversial Lantau Tomorrow project and the possibility that Hong Kongers now living in the mainland be allowed to vote in future local elections as examples of the kinds of bad initiatives that they would oppose. We may not be able to stop everything coming from the government and pro-establishment camp, but we'll try our best and we want to link up international lines and also the street fight lines so that we can get together and unite together to fight against the government. If we, if we simply give up the electrical lines, then uh, we simply give up our weapons. One of, even though it's a small, uh, minor weapons, but it still is a weapon that we can fight against it. Mr. Wu acknowledged that the camp would play somewhat of a passive role, but wouldn't hesitate to fight tooth and nail to achieve their goal of frustrating bad government initiatives. In the coming year, lots of the tactic will depend on uh, what the government is trying to do and try to act in the logicals. So I think that will be an uh, interactive situation. We have to monitor closely and see what will be the move the government and the poor establishment are trying to do, and we will react accordingly. Meanwhile, Hong Kong's sole representatives on t- to the National People's Congress Standing Committee has urged some pro-democracy lawmakers who were ruled ineligible for the scrapped election earlier this month to give up their seats. Tam Yu Chung was referring to the Civic Party's Alvin Young, Kwok Ka Ki, and Dennis Kwok, as well as accountancy sector lawmaker Kenneth Leung. He says they should all consider stepping down, saying it's a contradiction that they can keep serving even after election officials deem them unable to properly uphold the basic law. Local home prices have locked their biggest monthly decline in nearly half a year. New government data show that flat prices dropped an average of 1.1% last month from July. And compared with August last year, prices were down almost 2%. Medium-sized flats fell by the most. Rent, meanwhile, rose for a third straight month, but was still down 9.2% compared to last year. Now, overseas news, the first televised presidential election debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden has been marred by bad-tempered exchanges, interruptions, and personal insults. The two men argued for more than 90 minutes over topics agreed in advance by their campaigns, which included the response to the coronavirus, the economy, the Supreme Court, and President Trump's health care policies. The fact is that everything he's saying so far is simply a lie. I'm not here to call out his lies. Everybody knows he's a liar. But you I just want to make sure. I, 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 I want to make sure. You ordered last in your class, not first in your class. I want to make Mr. sure. Mr. President, can you let him finish, sir? He doesn't know how to do that. He has, You'd be you know, surprised. You, you pick You'd be surprised. the Go wrong ahead. guy, oh, the wrong oh, night oh. at the wrong time. Listen. The BBC's Washington correspondent, Nomia Iqbal, has this assessment. It got off to a very messy start and stayed that way. Both men were meant to get two minutes each to respond to questions, but they constantly interrupted each other with lots of insults. Joe Biden told Donald Trump to shut up and called him a clown. The president went personal by bringing up the vice president's troubled son, Hunter Biden. He also refused to condemn white supremacists, despite being asked to by the moderator and Joe Biden. The Trump campaign wants Americans to look at Mr. Biden as a career politician who hasn't solved the country's problems. But Mr. Biden said that Donald Trump has made the country weaker, poorer and more divided. 
British MPs have given their final backing to government plans to override parts of its Brexit agreements with the European Union, despite concerns the move would break international law. The government argues it will help protect the integrity of the UK. But the opposition and the EU argue it could damage the country's international reputation. The Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has accused Hezbollah of maintaining a weapons depot in a Beirut neighborhood, prompting an angry denial from the group's leader, Hassan Nasrallah. In an address to the UN General Assembly, Mr. Netanyahu said the alleged depot in Jannah was near gas canisters and could cause another major explosion in the Lebanese capital. I say to the people of Jannah, you've got to act now. You've got to protest this. Because if this thing explodes... It's another tragedy. I say to the people of Lebanon, Israel means you no harm, but Iran does. Iran and Hezbollah have deliberately put you and your families in grave danger. You should tell them, tear these depots down. Mr. Nasrallah said the Israeli prime minister was lying and trying to turn Lebanese people against Hezbollah. The 15 members of the United Nations Security Council have called for an immediate end to clashes between Armenia and Azerbaijan in the disputed territory of Nagorno-Karabakh. In a joint statement issued after emergency talks, the states also called for a de-escalation of tensions and a return to meaningful negotiations without delay. Dozens of people have been killed in the latest fighting. A report on the state of the world's plants from Britain's Royal Botanic Gardens is warning that two-fifths are threatened with extinction. The organization says around 140,000 plants are at risk of disappearing and that scientists are in a race against time to save new species before they vanish. Kew's head of conservation science, Dr. Colin Club, says undiscovered plants could have enormous value. What really is clear from the report is that we're currently utilizing such a small proportion of the world's plant and fungi, you know, be it for food or for medicines or for fuel, ignoring the potential treasure chest of wild species, which we now have uh, increasing knowledge of and the techniques to investigate uh, for the good of humanity. Now to business and finance news. China's factory activity expanded at a faster pace in September, helped by return to exports growth after several months of shrinking sales. The official Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index rose to 51.5 in September from 51 in the previous month, remaining above the 50-point mark that separates growth from contraction. Analysts say the figures suggest that China's growth recovery is on track as pent-up demand, stimulus-driven infrastructure expansion, and surprisingly resilient exports propel a recovery. Hong Kong stocks ended the morning session more than 1% higher as traders welcomed the data, suggesting that China's economic recovery is on track. Right now, the Hang Seng Index is up up 299 points at 23,575. In currencies, the U.S. dollar is trading at 105.6 yen. The euro is standing at 1 U.S. dollar and 17 cents. The pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 94 cents. Disney has announced it's cutting 28,000 jobs at its American theme parks as the coronavirus pandemic depresses visitor numbers. It says the cuts were needed in light of social distancing regulations. It said the problems were exacerbated by restrictions in California, which prevent Disney from reopening there. About two-thirds of the workers involved are part-time. Sports Now, and here's Adam Chung. We start with football. Tottenham have beaten Chelsea 5-4 on penalties to reach the quarterfinals of the English League Cup. The game finished 1-all after 90 minutes. 
Timo Werner's first goal for Chelsea was erased by a late equaliser from Eric Lamella. Spurs boss Jose Mourinho praised his players' ability to focus despite having a Europa League match coming up in the same week. They should only think about this game, but I have to think about three games at the same time. And they, they thought only about this game. They were phenomenal. All the credit for the boys. I, I cannot believe that in, in 48 hours we are, uh, we are playing a, an European game. The boys were phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. In tennis, world number one Novak Djokovic got his quest for an 18th Grand Slam title back on track with a comfortable straight sets win over Sweden's Michael Eimer in the first round of the French Open in Paris. Djokovic won 6-love, 6-2, 6-3. His frequent use of the drop shot became a talking point after the match. I think it's a great variety um, shot the drop shot you know i think it's important tactically to have it and to use it at the right time so that you can keep your opponent always guessing what is the next shot i may i, I may have played too many today i, I agree maybe i, I uh, exceeded what i should have played Home field advantage mattered little on the first day of Major League Baseball's expanded postseason. Games in the best of three opening round are all hosted by the higher-seeded team. And the Tampa Bay Rays were the only hosts to win on the day. They beat the Toronto Blue Jays 3-1. The New York Yankees went into Cleveland and hammered the Indians 12-3. Aaron Judge set the tone with a two-run blast off Cleveland starter Shane Bieber on his fourth pitch. Garrett Cole struck out 13 in his first playoff start for the Yankees. The Chicago White Sox beat the Oakland A's 4-1. The Houston Astros also won by the same score over the Minnesota Twins. The Tennessee Titans have the NFL's first COVID-19 outbreak, but their game this weekend is still on. Eight members of the club tested positive for coronavirus. The Titans closed their practice facility until at least Saturday. They're scheduled to host the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday in a matchup of two undefeated teams. The Steelers said they will prepare as if the game will be played on time. The Minnesota Vikings have also suspended activities following Tennessee's test results. The Titans beat the Vikings 31-30 in Minnesota last weekend. And that's your look at sports. Thanks a lot, Atom. And now to end the news, top stories once again. Elder care homes scrap plans to allow family visits during the mid-autumn festival. Liaison Office Chief Luo Hui Ning calls for more national education in Hong Kong, saying patriotism is a duty, not a choice. And a judge questions the evidence against 15 defendants in a rioting case, saying prosecutors need to be more specific. The news from RTHK.
And welcome to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday, the 30th of September, is today's date. Many thanks to Phil Whelan for the morning brew. And we have a very, very special program for you this afternoon. It's so special that we're bringing you the special awards ceremony of the Hong Kong English Poetry Competition 2020. At last. Social distancing has kept us from holding a physical ceremony as we did for the previous year. But don't fret because we'll be inviting the three winners of this year's competition to join us on the 123 show to share uh, with us their inspirations behind their poem and uh, and also uh, to read it out on air for us. And of course, for you to uh, give us some feedback, you can join us on the Facebook Live as well. Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3 is 